Welcome back to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I am James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com. The policy of running stories past the Jerusalem Bureau has been in place for years. We've got that story, plus international criminal court cases. But first, Davos Global Super Rich want to rebuild trust. Good luck with that. It's Davos week again, when the global super rich and powerful gather together in the Swiss Alps to trade intelligence, sweet talk suppliers and customers, schmooze with heads of state, do deals, hookers and blow, pretend to cure the world of all its problems, or at least the ones that are a threat to them. But don't be surprised when the Davos crowd fails to provide answers, for the World Economic Forum annual meeting is rarely anything more than a giant media circus and talking shop. Good intentions honed in the bracing mountain air are quickly forgotten once returned to the cut and thrust of harsh reality. The theme of this year's annual meeting is rebuilding trust. Good luck with that, because the loss of trust is largely in the very same globalist agenda that Davos promotes. If the great and the good who attend these events want to know why, they need to take a look at the man in the mirror. Not since the Cold War has trust between nations been lower, and you have to go back even further to find an age in which public confidence in the supposed benefits of globalism and international government has been as poor as it is today. Rarely have things looked so fragile. As for trust in domestic institutions, and indeed the rules-based system of international law and trade through which nations are meant to interact, these things too are on the floor. Who might we blame for this parlous state of affairs? James, the writing on this op-ed piece is fantastic. Parlous, I I have to look that one up. I was good with everything until I hit parlous, P-A-R-L-O-U-S. Who might we blame for this parlous state of affairs? The so-called global elite attending Davos must surely top that list. Today's world is a far more fractured and nativist one than the mutually cooperative, borderless nirvana fueled by technological advance that Davos champions. The starry-eyed naivety which greeted the advent of the internet has been replaced with palpable fear by its progeny, artificial intelligence. Business and political leaders are demonized, and the free movement of goods, services, and people is widely challenged. The peace dividend is gone, global supply chains are fragmenting as nations put security before efficiency, and the inclusive deal so enthusiastically embraced by the WEF facing a fierce anti-woke backlash all around the world. This is regrettably not a time for reaching out to others and finding workable compromises. Rather, it's a time for picking sides. The Davos consensus has crumbled. Political and moneyed elites have screwed up. So once again, good luck with rebuilding trust. Davos participants might perhaps have thought about these things a long time ago and acted accordingly. It's too late now. We will include some links to the horse's mouth, a PDF of Annual Meeting 2024, Rebuilding Trust, Davos, Switzerland, 15th through the 19th of January, and the World Economic Forum's Global Risks Report 2024. And yes, of course, with all those incels out on the town, prostitutes charge Davos attendees $2,500 a night as sex work demand booms. And one from, because we have to always mention the Daily Fail, Davos's debauched underbelly, how the global elite indulge in cocaine, caviar, and champagne at secret bunga bunga parties behind the scenes of the World Economic Forum. But the question, does Davos matter anymore, James? That's a good question. Um, maybe the better question is, did it ever really matter? Because as I've said for many years, and as we used to talk about back in the day, 2010, Uh, 2011, 2012, 
Davos is just kind of the front man show, the, the kind of revealing, the public revealing of the agenda that's decided on in the real meetings that take place throughout the year, like Bilderberg, etc. But even as I've been saying since 2016, I think, is Bilderberg even really the wheeler and dealer, shaker, mover event that it used to be? Or at any rate, now that we don't have, say, Jim Tucker... Do, do we have anyone with actual sources inside Bilderberg that's going to tell us what they're really talking about? I haven't seen any actual, actual, actionable intel coming out of there for many years, and I don't think I've ever seen actionable intel coming out of Davos. That's not what it's about. Davos and the World Economic Forum, as I've said over and over and over, uh, Klaus Schwab is a carnival barker who is just trying to make himself, get himself a seat at the global power table as, hey, look, I can get all these people together. But it isn't a place where I think agendas are set. It's where the public face of the agenda is revealed. And there are different ways we can take that. One of which, as this writer here, this very uh, florid writer, is is saying and is gesturing towards, yeah, to the extent that Davos ever actually reflected anything that was really happening in the world, it certainly doesn't anymore. That disconnect seems greater than ever. And I think that gestures to the fundamental split that's taking place, or that that always exists, I think, in the so-called power elite, the elitists, um, between those that want to that want that globalist vision all at once, we're all going to work together, blah, 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 versus the people who want the order from the chaos and thus need the chaos. And I think we are heading into a chaos period, which is going to be chaotic in a number of different ways. The war on everyone and, oh yeah, the war of every everyone against every everyone else is where we're heading. So uh, in that sense, the sort of the vision of Davos really doesn't make any sense and it's not it's not setting any agendas but again we can always scry the tea leaves for the propaganda to see at the at the very least where the propaganda push is going what kind of agenda they're trying to set one case in point we can turn to that climate website what's up with that which had this post wef predicts that war will no longer be a threat. <laughs> Yay! And they show the largest risks faced by the world um, that I think you were gesturing to- towards there earlier. Uh, in the two-year trend and the 10-year trend, and they say that interstate armed conflict is going to drop from number five um, biggest threat to basically off the chart within 10 years, which is laughable considering what we're about to talk about in a minute. Um, but also, so so what is going to be the big threat? Of course, uh, we can go to Blacklisted News. World Economic Forum declares disinformation to be the world's greatest threat. So, yeah, again, we can see the propaganda push. We can see the agenda. We can see what they're trying to push out to the masses through the propaganda they're pushing at Davos. But I don't think anyone in the true power circles really takes Davos that seriously. Like, oh, this is the place to really hatch our plans. I think the place where they really hatch the plans um, probably doesn't even happen in person anymore. Why would it? But at any rate, it certainly doesn't happen at Davos. Interesting, James. Could could they basically be lower on the pyramid than they actually even think themselves? Absolutely, yes. I think so, yeah. Maybe we should adjust our thoughts accordingly as well. You know, I, I edited down my notes. I originally wrote... Did it even ever matter? So it's funny. I deleted that. But there you go. You filled it right in for me. I also like how they're basically like the the, the billboard of, of public worries of things, you know, up, up and down the charts and number one with a bullet and all the other DJ cliches we could fill in right here, which which I would know how to do. That is how we get going on this New World Next Week, episode 541. Oh, where are we going for our next story? 
Another question, how will South Africa's ICJ case against Israel work? Grabbing this from Al Jazeera. And again, everything we say will always be included down in the show notes so you can continue the research, maybe share the information with your friends and family. How will South Africa's ICJ case against Israel work? Two days of public hearings in South Africa's genocide case against Israel. James, the, the irony of it is just, it's, it's pretty sweet, given what we know about South Africa's own apartheid past. I think this is what makes this so powerful, because it attacks them in their sort of their, their weak flank. Two days of public hearings in South Africa's genocide case against Israel started at the International Court of Justice, ICJ, last week as pro-Palestine campaigners hope the world court might halt Israel's devastating military campaign in Gaza. The case, filed by South Africa, sets a precedent as the first at the ICJ relating to the siege on the Gaza Strip, where more than 23,000 people have been killed since October 7th, nearly 10,000 of them children. In its application submitted already back on December 29th, Pretoria accuses Israel of committing genocide in contravention of the 1948 UN Genocide Convention, which both South Africa and Israel are party to. Countries party to the treaty have the collective right to prevent and stop the crime. The killing of civilians in large numbers, especially children, the expulsion and displacement of Palestinians en masse, and the destruction of their homes, the inciting statements by several Israel officials portraying Palestinians as subhumans to be collectively punished, all constitute genocide and show proof of intent, South Africa alleges. The suit also lists the blockade of food and the destruction of essential health services for pregnant women and babies as measures by Tel Aviv intended to bring about Palestinians' destruction as a group. More than 85% of Gaza's 2.3 million people have been displaced since October 7th, with aid agencies warning of famine risk and mounting hunger. The 365 square kilometer, that's 141 square American miles, the enclave has already been under an Israeli blockade, since 2007 anyway. Israel, of course, denies these allegations and, say the line, Bart, promise to defend itself. A separate case is continuing. I didn't realize this, James. Separate case is continuing at the International Criminal Court, a different body, where the ICC tries individuals in criminal cases. The ICJ focuses on legal disputes between states. There is some great stuff from Robert N. Lakesh at The Last American Vagabond. South Africa's case against Israeli genocide in Gaza is historic and humanitarian, where he writes the public hearings for South Africa's case against Israel, whereby it presented its accusations in opposition to Tel Aviv for committing the crime of genocide in Gaza, will determine whether international law, human rights, and the International Court of Justice itself will retain any legitimacy or declare the current world legal order de facto ineffective, null, and void. James? Interesting story, isn't it? And yeah, you touch on one of the very interesting aspects of this. South Africa labeling and, and bringing these charges is potentially significant, isn't it? But also, I mean, let's, let's keep it in perspective. I am not holding my breath waiting for one of the tentacles of the United Nations, the International Court of Justice, to bring actual justice here. But at any rate, some sort of process is ongoing. People can take a look at the presentations that have been made by South Africa and Israel so far. And as they say, this is a likely to be a years-long process, if it even proceeds, really. So, again, not holding my breath, but it is something to at least be aware of and put on the record uh, to show that there is widespread, worldwide condemnation of what is going on right now. 
But having said that, I did uh, note someone complaining uh, you know, about last week's episode saying, why didn't you guys cover those Yemen strikes that hadn't happened yet by the time we were recording last week's episode? So sorry about that, guys. We'll, we'll do our best to report on the future for you in the future. Uh, but let's correct that. Let's, let's give some more updates because, boy... There is a lot to talk about. Not only the aforesaid U.S.-U.K. airstrikes on Yemen that took place, as, a, as I said, after we recorded last week's episode, but the fallout and follow-up from those airstrikes, namely uh, U.S.-U.K. airstrikes force aid groups to suspend operations in Yemen. Yay! Yes, aid groups are apparently having difficulty distributing aid in the country, which, reminder, 21 million people, more than two-thirds of the population, now in desperate need of food, water, and life-saving assistance because the great powers, so-called, are playing games on the chessboard yet again and using these pawns as their sacrifice animals to, uh, to just parade around as they see fit. So anyway, that's part of the fallout of those strikes. Another um, leopard-ate-my-face news. Um, Houthi missile hits U.S.-owned cargo ship in Gulf of Aden, noting that the Houthis were per previously not targeting American commercial shipping, but that's changed since the U.S. bombed Yemen. So things are launching, uh, launching off once again, and boy, does Uncle Sam love that sound of the war machine uh, gearing up so he can throw some more niece nephews and nieces into the meat grinder. Uh, Iran launches ballistic missile strikes in Iraq and Syria, which... Leads to the next story, New Jersey National Guard prepares to deploy to Iraq and Syria amid attacks. So yay, problem, reaction, solution, question mark. But it ain't just the Middle East and it ain't all those things taking place in that desert way over there that you don't have to worry about. It's everywhere, including in my home, uh, my adopted home um, of Japan, where Japan today has this wonderful heartwarming story. Meet Japan's female Marines who are training for war. Aw, isn't it great? All these, you know, isn't it great to wrap ourselves in the rainbow flag and yay, yay, and we, you know, everybody's part of the military now and diversity and inclusion and equity. Uh-oh, I don't like that acronym. Let's, let's switch those uh, letters around a little bit and see if we can... Uh, obscure what's really going on here. Anyway, um, unfortunately, I think you know all too too well about that in America with regards to the Biden regime and the way that it sells its wars. Oh, and by the way, World War III, starting with Russia attacking NATO this year, according to a German defense report. Yes, leaked German military documents laid out a doomsday scenario where Russia wins in Ukraine, then invades Europe. So the German uh, defense department basically angling for more funding, I'm sure, um, putting, putting out this leaking, oops, how did that get out and get reported on by Build and every other major mainstream uh, website in the world? Uh, but, news, news update, Russia responds to report about war with, with NATO. Russian foreign affairs spokesman Maria Zakharova dismissed the predictions as the kind you would find in a horoscope. So, <laughs> anyway... That's just a smattering of some of the war news that's taking place right now. And, of course, what's happening with uh, Israel and South Africa in the International Court of Justice is just one, one sliver of that. I played a clip on my Monday morning show from 2007 with, uh, I believe, yeah, Senator Biden talking about how he was going to impeach Bush for starting wars without congressional approval. Again... Pretty, pretty tasty irony. Uh, meanwhile, I did play, speaking of uh, desiring some sort of, you know, anti-war 
people used to talk about that stuff. I played the fantastic Joseph Arthur's new epic Ceasefire Now, actually on my Today morning show, January 17th. And our last story continues the story they don't want to tell. James, really interesting one. And again, as I call it, media monarchy. CNN admits disturbing Israel-Palestine coverage policy has been in place for years. CNN has long been criticized by media analysts and journalists for its deference to the Israeli government and the Israeli Defense Forces in its coverage of the occupied Palestinian territories, and the cable network admitted that it follows a protocol that could give Israeli censors influence over its stories. A spokesperson for the network confirmed to The Intercept that its news coverage about Israel and Palestine is run through and reviewed by the CNN Jerusalem Bureau, which is subject to the IDF's censor. The censor restricts foreign news outlets from reporting on certain subjects of its choosing and outright censors articles or news segments if they don't meet its guidelines. Other news organizations often avoid the censor by reporting certain stories about the region through their news desks outside of Israel. I assume this would be things like CNN India, but... The policy of running stories about Israel or the Palestinians past the Jerusalem Bureau has been in place for years. That's the quote the spokesperson told The Intercept. Quote, it's simply down to the fact that there are many unique and complex local nuances that warrant extra scrutiny to make sure our reporting is as precise and accurate as possible. End quote. The spokesperson added that CNN does not share the news copy, the actual scripts with the censor, and called the network's interactions with IDF minimal. But the hilariously named James Zogby, Zionist-occupied government bee, the founder of the Arab American Institute, said the IDF's approach to censoring media outlets is, quote, Israel's way of intimidating and controlling the news. I have the OG piece from The Intercept. CNN runs Gaza coverage past Jerusalem team subject to IDF censor. So James, until your Mossad made Hamas documentary that I'm, I'm hyping for, I'm going to keep sending family and friends articles articles like this. Well, good. Oh, at least the word is getting out there. And you might have to hold your breath a little for that uh, that documentary, as I have a lot on my plate at the moment. <laughs> but but yes, uh, th- there's. Uh, it's interesting. I know the first sort of cynical take on this is going to be, well, yeah, well, we already knew that, right? Well, okay, yes, we did already know that. But at any rate, here it is on record, and we have some... You know, here's an article you can send to friends and family, as it were. Um, but also, I think it speaks to the the real change in reporting and narrative that has taken place in the past decade, specifically since Operation Protective Edge in 2014. I remember when we were covering that on Neural Next Week a decade ago, we were talking about there is a change that is taking place in reporting. And for the first time ever, they would talk, at least mention some of the atrocities that were taking place that Israel was committing in the Gaza Strip, uh, in Gaza at that time. And that was that was a change that has taken place. And attended upon that change has been, I think, a sea change in just general Joe Sixpack kind of opinion on the matter. More people are inclined to to realize that things are, well, something's going wrong. And you see even some of that creeping into some of the mainstream reporting of what's going on right now. Obviously, they're not telling the whole truth and nothing but the truth, but there is at least some questioning that's going on right now that I, I know you wouldn't have seen over a decade ago. So there is something that's happening and a change that's, that's bringing about. Um, by the way, more of that reporting on the last few months. I, I'm just going to make a bold prediction. You might be seeing some of that in the fake news awards coming up pretty soon, but 
stay tuned for that. But um, but on that, the nature of that narrative shift and what's happening right now, I think that just speaks to, again, what we're talking about with regards to the global agenda, what we were talking about with the World Economic Forum, etc. Uh, there is a greater game of calculus that, that is being played by people who are above the pay grade of the Netanyahu's of the world, who are the political frontmen puppets who are put out there to be put through the ringer and to be discarded like yesterday's news page, news bird cage liner when it is time to throw them away. And the Likudniks and Netanyahu and the Israeli government are only in place so long as they serve their particular role in this particular stage of the narrative. And when it's time for the new narrative to roll out, they can be and will be thrown under the bus. So there's a lot of different calculations to go on here. Anyway, long story short, yeah, perhaps this is not news to people in our audience, but it'll be news to a lot of your friends and family at any rate, and other people who may not be in the know about this. And it's a good thing to have on the record. And maybe, maybe people like Netanyahu are lower on the pyramid than they believe or perceive themselves to be, and are slipping lower down the charts each and every day, pick, pick which metaphor you want, pop charts or pyramid Illuminati. Operation what? You have to remind me of that. What were you talking about? Operation Protective Edge, a.k.a. the 2014 Gaza War, where there were all the atrocities and bombings of civilians on the on the beaches and things like that that were for the first time in uh, that I'd ever seen in my lifetime actually being reported, even on networks like CNN. And I remember we did kind of make that point. We were at least point gesturing towards that when we were covering it back one decade ago. And I've been playing some one-decade-old episodes of New World Next Week on my stream Okay, we never put the New World Next Week store on hold like I was threatening last week. It still needs a little bit of work under the hood, but until that happens, I do have... How do you wear these things? <laughs> Beautiful. Yes. Lovely. I, I leave some of it at the top. I don't... Do I pull it down over my ears all the way? It, it feels warmer. Yeah. Rock it how you like it. Okay. <laughs> we do now have new Corbett Report toques. That's what the Canadians call them. I learned that from Bob and Doug in their Getty Lee hit song, Take Off. I grew up having them called a toboggan. Put your toboggan on, and then, of course, I get a little older, and it's like, that's that's a sled. But it's giant, giant mid-Atlantic through southern. Lots of people call these toboggans. Ski caps, toques, call them what you want. They should be appearing on NewWorldNextWeek.com very soon. Beauty, eh? Uh, sign up, as I've said, to get notifications about new items on the store when they go on sale. Again, we do not bug you at all with a bunch of emails. We honestly don't send out enough, I don't think. Corporate and monarchy DVDs, USBs, shirts, caps, hoodies, digital downloads. And you can also become a supporter of fear-free, ad-free media from the monarchy by, please, becoming a monthly supporting donor. That's what keeps all of this going, both myself and James. And I do play this very unpublished audio after my Thursday morning monarchy shows. James, there is New World Next Week, episode 541. Yes. And on that note, yes, please do support your work, the, your work and my work. If you guys out there like it, please do support it. I know everyone's got a case of the January, oh my God, did I spend that much in December unsubscribes going on right now. So I understand it's just that time of year. But yeah, we do need your support to keep doing this work. So if you can, please do become a member. And then you can join the Media Monarchy Discord community and become a 
a member of that community, you can join Corbett Report and you can start getting into the chat there. The chat, the comments, anyway. Um, but having said that, deprogramming note for CorbettReport.com. Very important programming note, so I'll put it at the end where no one will see it. But at any rate, uh, coming up, uh, I've, I've got a bajillion things going on right now. Um, so there will be a... a a, a, a slight lull in, in the near future. I'll still be posting, but not very much. But in the meantime, uh, there is going to be a, if all goes well, <laughs> there will be a website outage on Monday. And I don't know how long it's going to last, but at any rate, I am doing significant work under the hood of CorbettReport.com. And yes, thank you, sincerely thank you to all the people who are writing in about my videos tab not working. I I am very well aware of that issue, <laughs> but I am going to fix that and a lot of other things. It, it, there will be some, some changes, shall we say. Uh, so there will be some website downage time on Monday. When that happens... Feel free to email me and ask me if I'm dead, but I'm assuring you in advance, or, or Falato, but I'm assuring you in advance, I'm not dead. In fact, I swear, as my last thing, with my dying, as I'm laying dying, I'm going to reach for my device and start and type out a message saying I'm dead so that you'll all know, okay? Um, but otherwise, don't panic. It's just a little bit of downtime, and then hopefully there will be some some nice changes at CorbettReport.com. So stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for the, obviously, the fake news awards coming up later this year. And uh, unfortunately, there will not be a newsletter again this weekend. I haven't gotten one out all year so far. My apologies for that, but there's a lot going on right now. Oh, and James, last thing. Parlous is just like a fancy schmancy way of saying perilous, right? Is it? I, I, I do not know. It's not spelled that way. No, yeah, yeah, but I think it's, I think it, it, it's, maybe it's British or something, I don't know, but I think it literally, it just means perilous, dangerous. Okay. Yeah. See, yeah. we're always, always learning things here. In the <laughs> Me world too. I, I'm like, parlous? Oh yeah, I think I've seen that. All right, man, that's it. That's New World Next Week, episode 541. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Take care. Good day, eh? <laughs>